appetizing or very attractive to choose the topic yourself. But if you ever preach, uh, learn to ask the person to give you a topic because to, to think of a topic yourself actually uh, is very tricky. So I was uh, praying very hard and the Lord gave me uh, a message, a sermon, a word I believe that He wants for you and I quickly SMS the two ladies and told them the topic is will your anchor hold? Okay, that, that's, that's the impression I got as I was praying. Will your anchor hold? And this is, this is the anchor verse we want to look at today. Oops. Now this is from Hebrews 6, right? And it says this, we have this, okay, we'll talk about this later, but we have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain. Now, if I don't read this in the context of the whole thing, just like I flash it here, I think it's not many of you will be able to uh, understand what this is saying. But I just want to ask you now, just by reading this, just by looking at this, what do you think the anchor represents? Let's have some answers from the floor. What does the anchor represent? What do you think? It's, what, what do you think in this verse is trying to say? Uh, the anchor, what does it mean? Some sensible guesses? Jesus, wow, I have more to answer. Huh? No, it's not really Jesus. Okay? Any other tries? Anchor of the soul. Uh, no more Jesus. Any others? Sorry? Faith. Okay, close. Any others? From the younger ones, or sorry, hope. Wow, this one spot on, right? Hope. And um, when you read when you read the word hope in the Bible, and I hope you read your Bibles. Huh? How many of you read your Bibles? Okay, not very many. Yeah, huh? the rest of you, you 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 should read your Bibles. It's very important. It's like eating, right? If you, if you don't read your Bibles, uh, it's spiritual uh, 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 anorak anorexia no? when, when when enemy looks at you you are famished and you're very weak so please please feed on the word of god and i want to tell you that when the bible talks about hope it is not wishful thinking okay so next time you you see this word in the bible and you see it a lot uh it is not wishful thinking what do i mean by wishful thinking you know wishful thinking is when that small boy when you ask him what do you want to be he say i want to be the president of the united states uh, that is wishful thinking, alright? But that hope in the Bible is not wishful thinking. When you look at the root word behind hope, uh, it has these few adjectives, alright? One is uh, adjectives or nouns, right? It has these words called expectancy, right? So hope in the root word Greek or whatever, it means a very expectant spirit, right? There's an expectancy to something. And then it, it, it is also very confident. There is a confidence behind the hope. So if I can illustrate it and, and, and kind of illustrate it against what I said about that small boy who wants to be president of the United States, it would be possibly asking uh, 18-year-old or 19-year-old, um, what do you hope to become as you choose your university course? Right? And, and I have a few of that in my CG now, in the young adult CG. And 
the answers they give is no more wishful thinking. These people are quite clear about, I hope they are quite clear, about what they want to be. Right? Because, why? Because there is more basis they have gone through. If, if one of them wants to go into medicine, right, uh, you know he couldn't have just had um, or, or he couldn't have just gone through the arts stream, right? He probably needs to have done pretty okay in his studies, including biology, chemistry, and physics, right? To go to medicine. At least my time, you need what well, to go to medicine. You needed that. Like, that's why I'm not in medicine. But um, that that is that different kind of hope. Uh, a lot more certainty because there is more basis, more evidence to support your expectation. Right? And all of us have hopes. All of us have hopes. Do you believe me? All of us have hopes. That's why I say it's not Jesus, although I like the answer all the time. But in this case, it's not Jesus because non-Christians also have this anchor. Every human being has an anchor. He's, if he has no anchor, he will be either in depression or he will be suicidal. Right? All of us are living today and breathing today because we continue to entertain hope. Right? You heard the saying, right? Three weeks, no food, you die. Three days, no water, you die. Well, plus minus. Huh? And three seconds, no hope, you die. Right? We all entertain hopes in our lives. Big and small, different things, but hope is there. But, and hope drives us, right? It shapes our behavior. Um, recently, I was watching, I don't know how many of you watched uh, Wimbledon. Do you watch Wimbledon recently between Andy Murray and Djokovic? No. Okay, okay wrong illustration. Uh, but anyway, this Wimbledon match was so amazing because um, no British guy has won Wimbledon since 1936. Right, that's 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 even older than my mom. Right, that's that's how long ago they have not won the Wimbledon. So there was a lot of pressure on this guy called Andy Murray, who was a Brit, and uh, he was uh, playing. And Andy Murray is world number two, and this Djokovic guy, uh, he's a Serbian, uh, he's world number one. And the match was grueling because. Uh, Djokovic was very strong and very overpowering and uh, for the, these two poor Europeans it was summer in Europe right? so it was 40 degrees and they were playing and they were just I, I, I'm not a tennis player la, but just watching it was painful right? because these guys were just uh, I don't know hanging ice packs around their necks every time they rest every service they, they asked for the towel and all that so these guys were, and they went on for three hours and there was no sense of defeat in any one of them. That's why it was so painful to watch. You thought this guy is going to die already, then suddenly he, he comes back from the dead again and he starts hitting back again. You think he's going to lose the ball, he runs, he does a split, and then he gets the ball. And this is like two hours into the match, well, and we're thinking, what is wrong with these guys, right? Why don't they just lose, right? Why don't they just, why don't they just get it over with and finish? I think the difference is hope. These guys are not wishfully thinking that I will be Wimbledon champion. These people probably have a lot of basis to believe that this is the closest I will ever get to win Wimbledon. They have hope. And that's the kind of hope 
that the Bible is talking about. Confident expectation, not wishful thinking. And we all have that in different degrees. And this hope we talk about cannot therefore be baseless. That means it cannot be without a basis. Right? The hope that the Bible talks about cannot be without a basis. So when, when the Bible talks about hope, why you have this hope, why you have that hope, when people approach you, the Bible says, and ask you a reason for your hope, you should be able to answer them gently. Right? So that, there must be a basis for the hope. So I, I, I'm probably belaboring the point a bit too much. But I think the problem in our world is that love and hope is very different from the love and hope in the Bible. So I, th- I thought it's important to establish that when the Bible talks about hope, it's a very certain thing. It's not a wishy-washy, I hope tomorrow don't rain, that kind of, uh, that kind of thing. Okay? Then the question I want to ask you, if now that we have established what is hope, is where is your anchor? Or where is your hope anchored? Right? Now this, this is the view from my office. Right? Uh, obviously, with that view, you know I don't work in Citibank because I can't be looking at City, right? Uh, and maybe it's not so great from here, but those were, those were very dark clouds. And that was when I was praying and saying, Lord, you give me a, you give me a word lah, about what to preach to these really young people. Uh, you, don't look like any, you don't look anything like you're wasting away outwardly, all right? But anyway, uh, that, was the, that was the picture I got when I looked at this and uh, yeah, that was when I got the word that the storm was coming. The storm was coming, and the and the impression I got. Not I, I'm not prophesying over you that a storm is coming to you. Okay, I, I I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying when I looked at this, it somehow just triggered me to think. Yes, when the storms come, where is your hope anchored? Will your anchor hold? You know, in the United States recently, they found out a huge thing. Have you heard of this? Hopefully this one works with you. Lah. Since Andy Murray and Djokovic doesn't work. Uh, in the United States, there's this guy called Snowden. Anybody know Snowden? Okay, you know Snowden. Huh? Okay, so this one some people know. Now, Snowden uh, is a contractor and, and he basically told the whole uh, United States that the government is spying on you, right? All your SMSs, all your phones, all your WhatsApp, uh, Lee Sien Long knows, right? In a sense, if it's the Singapore context. And so, of course, Americans being Americans just, just, just went ballistic, right? Because uh, that's privacy and human rights and individualism is a huge thing. Uh, I'm not going to go into that debate. I'm just saying uh, the next caption is... is uh, I'm just setting that as the basis. Uh, this is something I saw from Facebook, right? And there's this kid who says, that says, that says you're spying us online, right? And then Obama tells him he's not your dad. <laughs> I don't know whether you get it or not. Uh, maybe it'll take a while. But basically, I thought, I thought if this guy's, if this guy's hope, if this, if, this, if this blonde guy's hope is anchored on his family and on his dad, what Obama just told him will decimate that hope overnight. Right? He's not your real dad. And... and and I thought that was a very good uh, illustration to ask ourselves the question, actually, where is your hope? Where is your anchor for your soul anchored? 
Where is this? Where is this motivation and drive and certainty in life that you have coming from? I dare say, in this room, including myself, we are pretty confident we will get up tomorrow and attend church. There is a very huge confident expectation that we'll be alive tomorrow. Right? Why? You know why? Why is there such a huge... I mean, some of you are already planning your, your lunch tomorrow and your meetings tomorrow and all that. But I think it's because, again, there is a basis, right? Your vital statistics, like, your, like your, the colour of your eyeball and, and, and the, the way your heart is pumping and the way you're feeling, feels okay. You have a basis for saying that tomorrow, highly likely, either first service or second service, I'll be here at 9 Hopefully you're not late, late, or I'll be here at 11.15, right? Many of us, it, that, that's what I mean by we, we all have hope. It, it's not even something very big. It's just something that drives us. The plans we make tomorrow, the plans we make next week. And this is, this is what drives us. A lot of it is about what we are confident of. But I think the Lord today is concerned and wants to ask us, actually, where is your anchor anchored. Where is your hope anchored? Is it always about your vital signs? Meaning if you feel good, you have an optimism about life. If you feel lousy, then your optimism around life uh, goes down. Similarly, for someone who's terminally ill today, he may not know. He may not have that kind of confident expectation that you have that tomorrow he can attend church or he can he can, he can go for breakfast or whatever, right? You, you, know, you, know, you know what I mean? It's that, it's, that, it's that basis for your hope. But I think before we talk about where the Lord wants you to place your anchor, your hope, I want to tell you uh, where not to anchor your hope. And I just read this from um, Ezekiel. Ezekiel is talking about a very proud city called Tyre, T-Y-R-E, right? It's the same, it's the same spelling, interestingly, as the car tires. But uh, it, is, it is a huge city. It was a very rich city. And um, we want to learn some lessons from this, right? Uh, because this is the verse where the Lord judges Tyre. Tyre is like probably New York City today, right? Because your heart is proud and you have said, I'm a God, Yet you are but a man and no God. By your great wisdom in your trade, so he's very good at business, you have increased your wealth. Your heart has become proud in your wealth. Therefore, thus says the Lord, because you make your heart like the heart of a God, therefore, behold, I will bring foreigners upon you, etc., etc., etc. The punishment will come. Right? When we look at these verses, um, where do you think Tyre is putting their hope in. Where do you think this, these people in Tyre are putting their hopes in? Anyone? Sorry? Wealth? Okay. Anything else? Themselves, right? I think that, that's, the, that's, that's the thing that I, I got when I looked at this verse that one of the most important things not to put your anchor on is 
because if you are shaped and you put the anchor in yourself, uh, that's that's pretty stupid, right? You're basically anchoring on nothing, right? Because if a ship anchors on itself, uh, then the anchor is probably u- being used as a paperweight or something, because there's nothing to anchor to. But but people through the ages, as you read the Bible, continue to put the anchor in themselves, right? It's very common. Uh, if you if you are interested in read, reading Ezekiel, you just turn one chapter later. Egypt, this great country, same thing. Put confidence in themselves. So where not to anchor? Very important, not in yourselves. Um, because why? What do you think happened to him? Why can't we put the anchor in ourselves? Besides the ship illustration, all right. But why can't we put? Why can't we put confidence in our talents? Our education, our wisdom, our money, our possessions. Why not? Philip? It doesn't last. Okay. Okay. One, one thing is it doesn't last, right? Because uh, Jesus says moth and rust can destroy all these things. But the second thing is I think... The danger about these things is we can get carried away by our success and get shipwrecked, right? Because you see, this guy went all the way. He said, although he's a human being, he says, I am a God. I want to tell you something real. You don't have to say this to think that you are a God. You get what I mean? Not everybody who thinks that he is God has to say this, right? So over time, sometimes when we rely uh, when we put our anchor on our talents, there is that temptation to see and treat ourselves as a god with a small g. Right? Okay, very quickly. Where not to anchor? Uh, okay, this one was about the shipwreck and all that. That you can go back and read. Where not to anchor? What do you think this one is saying? Read the verse on, on, the, on the screen. Just now is don't anchor on yourself. This one? Don't put your anchor on. Anyone else, right? Uh, I tell you, the, as you go through the life phase, um, when you are a small kid, right, which, which none of you are anymore, uh, when you are a small kid, your anchor will be a lot around your family. So there will be a lot of dependence around uh, uh, your parents, uh, mainly. I mean, most people can't stand the siblings, right? So you'll be around the parents. Uh, so that, that's why I have a lot of uh, 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 sympathy for this, this poor kid, right? Because that's probably his world. And, and he's just been told by the President of the United States that that's not his dad, right? But I think this one, when you are youth, and I have been a youth before, right? A uh, long time ago. Your, the relationship shift from the family a lot to your friends, right? A lot to your friends. So there will be a lot of uh, temptation to anchor your hope on certain key relationships, right? And then unfortunately, when you become an adult, which you will become in due time, or some of you are already, or are already 
you will have maybe faced some disappointments or some shipwrecks. And then you start saying, I'm going to depend on myself, right? I'm not going to trust anybody anymore. I'm the captain of my ship. And then you're going to sing this old song called My Way, right? I did it my way. And, and that, that's the usual progression for people who do not walk closely with the Lord, right? Uh, the family usually is okay. And then as they get disappointed by friends, then they'll go into this very bitter mode where they then say, I'm going to trust myself and no one else. So where not to anchor? Now before I go on to where to anchor, I want to um, tell you, please don't get me wrong. There is nothing wrong with your talents. There is nothing wrong with your relationships. There is nothing wrong with your families. Right? There is nothing wrong with your possessions. But we need to be clear between God and His means of grace. You get what I mean? God and His means of grace. Uh, none of you will say your car is your destination. Right? You won't walk into the MRT and say, this is my destination. Right? I mean, if you go into, okay, I haven't taken MRT for a long time, but I suppose if you get a Red Hill MRT, right, and you're going to uh, Queenstown, let's say the next one, uh, you will say my destination is Queenstown, but never will you say this train is my destination, right? What I'm trying to illustrate is your families, your network, your relationships that God gives to you, those are His means of grace. God wants you to go to a certain destination, right? And sometimes, a part of the destination, He will give you a car. Then, for reasons unknown to me, but to only known to Him, He will say, the car, that means of grace, ends now. From now on, I want you to bike, right? And then you bike. And then along that journey of biking, he says, okay, the bike ends, right? You walk. And then you walk. Okay, then along the way, he says, okay, now you fly, right? So that I don't just keep descending, right? I'll give you some optimism. And then you fly, right? Then later on, he says, I don't know, you swim or something. These are the means of grace but unfortunately, some things we, sometimes we see these means of grace as God Himself. So when He says, the car journey has ended, we throw a tantrum, right? Because for us, the car has become everything. We start hugging the MRT, right? At Red Hill MRT Station, and we don't let it go, right? Although your destination is Queenstown. It's, it's, it's that illustration I want to give you because many people sometimes confuse the two and, and they are very worried. So they say, oh, if I want to follow God, then I got to dump all my talents. I got, although I'm really intelligent, I got to appear really stupid. And if I'm, if I'm really rich, I, I'll, I'll, I'll start wearing strange clothes and uh, um, I'll be very embarrassed of my, of, of, of my religion. You, you get what I mean? And I, and I don't want you to go there. Right? When God says, don't anchor your hope on these things, He's saying, treat these things as a means of grace. 
the Apostle Paul is very clear. He says, I know what it is to have plenty. And I, I know what it is to have nothing. Right? And you know what? I'm chill about both. I'm cool about both. Right? Because my thing is not about the plenty. My thing is not about the empty. Right? My thing is through the plenty and the empty, God is bringing me closer to the destination. Are you, are you getting it? I hope you're getting it, right? That, that, is, that is very important for you to know. Then you know, you celebrate the talents, you celebrate the relationships, you celebrate the provisions God gives into your life right now, right? We don't have to be sour plum face and say, I'm going to be, I'm going to hide underground because it looks like I'm overblessed and I better look a bit poor and, and a bit sad, right? That, that's wrong teaching, right? When the, when, when, when Jesus was on earth, people had a huge problem with his... He was called a glutton. Okay, I'm not encouraging you to go buffet and all that. Lah. But I'm just saying, when Jesus was on earth, obviously the, the Pharisees who thought that Christian life should be lived a certain way say, you are a bit off, right? The, I, I think you, 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 you celebrate a bit too much. You eat a bit too much. With, with these, how come you're going party every night with these drunkards and these prostitutes and all that? Right? So it's, it's important for us to know that these are means of grace and sometimes God gives them to us, we celebrate, sometimes God takes it away. And then the question is when God takes it away, this relationship you're having that you really like and then God shakes it, then the storm over Citibank comes, right? And then it's shaken. Then what happens? Is your anchor anchored on that relationship? Because if it is, then there is a chance of shipwreck because the relationship was where you anchor. You get what I mean? Right? So same thing for me. If I anchor my hope on my career, right? And if one day my boss comes in and says, I don't need you anymore, then does it then become, do I, get, do I then go into shipwreck mode? Right? So that, that's the question I want us to think. If your, if your anchor has always been your studies, then I don't know, for some strange reason, uh, it always happens to me. After you study, then eh, the exam results come out. Eh, like, not the ones you were expecting. Right? What happens then? Okay, where is your hope anchored? I know um, recently on um, this loud gen board, I read uh, a few of the people writing about uh, the testimony of God, uh, or the te their testimonies in their walk with God about their studies and all that. And um, I praise God, they all turned out well, right? I mean, I, don't, I, I think you all have read it as well. Uh, a few of them wrote about how God led them through the difficulty and all that. And we want to celebrate that. And I think when they testified, it was celebrating everyone, and that's the attitude. But I also encourage those who did, do not have a reason to write now. You get what I mean? You are, they, they probably, I may be presumptuous, but if I were them, I, I'll probably think that I'm on the car mode now, right? I'm in a car. It's quite nice, right? God has been good to me. But there may, there may be some who are not writing, 
because they are maybe in the biking mode now, right? Or the mountain bike mode, or the swimming mode, or uh, or the walking mode. I don't know. But always remember, right? It is a journey, and these are means of grace. We celebrate when we have plenty. We can also celebrate when we are empty. And whether you are able to do that depends on where your anchor is. Because if your anchor is on the plenty, then when the plenty is gone, uh, then you cannot celebrate, right? Then you, you would have um, made the God's means of grace into an idol, right? And you are worshiping it. Okay. So I want to quickly go on to now that we know where not to anchor, where should we anchor? Where to anchor? We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor. This one we read just now already, but I added some words there. A hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Now that's a very pregnant verse, right? It takes a lot of time to just dissect it and understand it. But I just wanted to highlight to you that we have a hope. This sure and steadfast anchor. Now, everybody has an anchor. Everybody has an anchor. But the differentiating thing is, do you have a sure and steadfast anchor? That's the difference. The differentiating thing between us and those who do not have Jesus is not that they have no anchor. Everybody has an anchor. Right? But is your anchor sure and steadfast? And where to find the sure and steadfast anchor? It is something called the inner place behind the curtain. Okay? And now I want to show you, this is a temple, uh, the Solomon's temple. Okay? And where God's presence is, is this circle thing in red called the Holy of Holies. Can see now? Your eyes still should be able to see, right? Uh, Holy of Holies is on your most left. Now you see the ark there? Do you see ark, A-R-K, ark? You see ark? Okay, you cannot see, come to the front. This is very nice to watch, okay? Uh, A-R-K, ark. And before the ark, can you see? What's the word there? Veil. Another word for veil? Curtain. Okay? So what's separating the, the right side from the left side? Veil. Right? Curtain. Okay? And read this again. Uh, sorry. A hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain. Okay? So we possess this hope that brings us behind the curtain into the holy of holies. Okay? Go, go the left side direction. Okay? Don't go this side. Huh? Go this side. Okay? You go this side, we, uh, we have a hope that is anchored in the holy of holies. That's where to place your anchor. Don't place it on the plenty. Don't place it on your talents. Don't place it on, I hate to say this because it sounds very jarring, but don't place it on your family or your parents. Don't place it on your abilities or your possessions. Place it there. That is the sure and steadfast hope where the Lord wants us to place our anchor. Why? Why there? 
why that hope is so certain? Why is it so stable? You may ask, hey, before I take out my wallet and buy this, right? Why is it so good? What is this thing about bringing me into the veil and into the Holy of Holies, into the presence of God? How do I know it's certain? Okay, this one is the interesting one. So when God desired to show more convincingly, convincingly not enough, huh? more convincingly to the heirs of the promise, which is you, the unchangeable character of his purpose, which is to reconcile you to him, he guaranteed it with an oath. You know, if you go to uh, a very respectable person, right? Let, let's say the Prime Minister, and he tells you that, uh, okay, I'll do this for you. You don't tell him, can you swear, right? Can you sumpa? Can you pledge? Can you sign here? Uh, oh, we will already be celebrating that the, the, the PM or, the, or, or this respectable guy that you have has said yes to you, right? So some of you sometimes go to the MP and say, ah, oh, my son cannot go army, he's like very pain or whatever, right? Then I say, the MP says, yes, I will help you, right? So some parents will be ecstatic and then uh, they don't go further and say, can you sumpa, right? Can you pledge? Can you swear that you will do this? Okay? So the, 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 the reason I'm saying this is because God seems to take a very special interest in ensuring that you know doubly sure that this hope is secure. You get what I mean? God doesn't have to give you an oath, you know. Only people make oaths to God, no? not the other way around. Right? God doesn't make oaths to people. But in this particular case, He made an oath. He guaranteed it with an oath. So that by two unchangeable things. What are the two unchangeable things? One, God doesn't lie. Two, the guy who doesn't lie made an oath. You get what I mean? Don't ask me why they write it like that. But that's what it means. Okay? God so by two things, you can hang on to this hope that is so secure because one, it is God himself, right, who doesn't lie. And two, he made an oath to you. I just want to let that sink in because it, it's, it's very powerful. You can go home and I know next week, hopefully CG will talk about this. It, it is very powerful. This oath. And what is this oath that he has made? What is this promise that he has made? If you read, this is all in Hebrews 6 and 7. If you read it further, this is the, the verse. This is the oath that the Lord made. The Lord has sworn, which is made an oath, and will not change his mind. You, who's the you? Jesus. You are a priest forever. This makes Jesus the guarantor of a better covenant. So this is the oath that, Jesus, that God made. That Jesus is your great high priest. Right? And he will not change his mind on that one. Right? That's, that's, the, that's the hope that people, that the Bible, that God wants you to put your anchor on. Jesus as the great 
high priest. Okay? So why Jesus? One, because Jesus, God backed it up with an oath. Two, and it's very logical, previously, when people had high priests, the former priests, uh, no matter how great they were, they always die, right? I mean, everybody dies. Okay? So that they had an issue because they always got to replenish the high priest. But Jesus holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. So remember just now when Caleb said why, why we don't trust in uh, riches and all that kind of thing? Because they don't last. This is another reason why Jesus, because Jesus lasts. You get it? Jesus lasts. So God has made an oath that this is the guy, this is your high priest, this is your entry into the Holy of Holies through him, and he will not die. He lasts. Right? And I just want to end off with this one. Uh, why Jesus? Consequently, he's able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. It's important that when you read this verse, and this is the last verse, you should be quite happy, um, that safe, he is able to save, is not about salvation alone. You get what I mean? Every time we think that God saves us, we think it's because oh, he cleanses us from our sin. So many of us, for many of us, uh, that event is already past. This safe, this safe is the word deliver deliverance. He delivers you from your troubles now. That's what a high priest does. He goes between you and God and he pleads, intercedes his pleads on your behalf. Jesus, who does not end, who always lasts, who will not die again, Jesus, in the holy of holies, pleading for you, whom God say, this is the guy forever. He is the only high priest forever. This is the guy that God is telling you today. Put your money, bank your hopes on him. Not on anything else. Okay, because if you do that, Jesus is able to save to the uttermost, meaning Jesus is able to deliver you from your trials or your tribulations or whatever. It is saving to the uttermost. It's not about saving you from the fire of hell. It is about saving you from the trials you face in school right now or in that relationship or at work or in the family. You get what I mean? So this is very powerful. I thought this is very powerful. And really, I want to uh, just get the musicians up. And I just want us to ponder this question. Right? Where is your anchor today? As the Lord uh, speaks to you, where is your anchor? And the next question to ask is, will it hold? Right? Will it hold? Why don't we rise as we just engage God? And uh, as... as uh, 
the worship leader leads us in a song that he likes, uh, we, can, <laughs> uh, we can just think through. Think through what, what, what God has spoken to me, uh, spoken to you through me. Uh, will your anchor hold? Where's your anchor today? And will your anchor hold? And I just want to open the altar to those who are, who, who are um, struggling right now, right, with uh, banking on Jesus. You know, you know what I mean, right? If you're on the car journey, then obviously uh, it's probably quite okay, right? And we praise God for that. But there may be some of us who are like, you know, the storm clouds over Citibank, uh, and you're like, oh, oh right? Uh, anchoring on Jesus, is it going to be okay or not? Right? If, if you're that, if you're like that, then uh, I want you to respond. I want to pray for you because I believe when the Lord gives the word, I believe there's some of us who are maybe the anchor struggling a little bit. Okay, so the altar is open and you can come forward. I would love to pray for you. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest friend, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. Hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I don't trust the sweetest friend, but holy trust in Jesus' name. In Christ.
hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust in Jesus' Darkness seems to hide his face. I rest on his unchanging grace. And every high and stormy day, my anchor comes within the veil. center of it all. Let Jesus be the center of it all. From beginning to the end, it will always be, it's always been you, Jesus. Jesus. Jesus at the center of at the center of it all. From beginning to the end, it will always be, it's always been you, Jesus. Jesus, nothing center of my life, Jesus be the center of my life, from beginning to the end. 
always be, it's always been you, Jesus. Jesus, nothing else matters. Nothing in this world will do. Jesus, you're the center.
just want to pray for those who are not up here. I'm sure you are equally just worshipping the Lord and just engaging Him. I just want to pray for all of us as we are. Then I'll leave it to the worship leader whether he wants to. Just continue lead us in the time of worship, right? The altar is still open. But I just want to pray for all of us here. Let's pray. Jesus, we praise you, Lord, for your finished work on the cross. We thank you for that powerful assurance from your word today, Lord, that God the Father made an oath that, Lord, you are our high priest forever. You are right now interceding for us at the right hand of the Father. Oh Lord, the thought blows our mind that Lord, You are there doing this for us. I pray that Lord, that very truth will set many of us free, Lord. Set many of us free to take that step to trust You, to believe You. I pray in Jesus' name that Lord, You will tear away, tear away every falsehood, Lord, every false foundation that, Lord, we tend to put our anchors on, Lord. Ourselves, our abilities, our experience, our intellect, our possessions, other people, other people who are able, other people who look powerful, Oh Lord, we want to lay these at your feet today. We want to say, we thank you for these things, Lord, but they are not the foundation for our lives. You are, Lord. You are. We want to put our anchor right there, behind the curtain in the Holy of Holies, Lord. We want to regain, Lord, that purpose for which you have for us. And that is intimacy, with God and partnership with God in this life and in the life beyond. Oh, praise you, Father, that you are beginning to restore us to the original design, Lord, to your original purpose. I praise you that, Lord, you are unchanging. You are firm. You are immovable in a world where so many things are uncertain. Lord, we thank you that we can anchor ourselves on you. So I pray right now in the name of Jesus that Lord, each and every one of us here, Lord, you will raise our faith level to put our anchor, our hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because Lord, that is sure. You are sure. You are forever. You last. And you will not change because God the Father gave an oath. I praise you and I pray that, Lord, this truth will, truth will secure our hearts and our minds and will liberate us, Lord, with freedom, with joy. Depart us, Lord, with your blessing for those of us who have to go off. I pray that, Lord, that truth will, will really secure us. In Jesus' name, Amen. Okay, those who have to leave, those who have to leave, um, I guess you can leave if you need to. Uh, but if not, uh, can I invite you all to come to the front?
and let's worship God. Let's let's really ponder about what has been said, what has been preached, and what has God been telling you. And, and I believe God is not done with some of us. I believe God is not done with with everyone yet. So.
resonates with what Elder Vincent has said like I was actually thinking about it before I came here like what do we have our hope in and like even as he was speaking like I just got this um, like it was like God just told me this like so clearly like have you seen all those Chinese dramas like that they play sometimes during Chinese New Year or whatever it's like these Hong Kong dramas where they are always gambling forever and their Hong Kong dramas forever gambling Okay, and then like they're sitting at this table and they're gambling and I just feel like it's like us sometimes. Don't don't pick up gambling, okay? It's no, just don't do it. Okay, but um when the person knows that they are confirmed going to win, that's when they push all their chips into the middle and they're like, I'm all in. And like I just feel this is the same way with hope. It's like you get your cards in your hand and you open it and you know it's a sure win because Jesus died on the cross for you and he rose from that grave. And not just that, we, we are now seated with Christ in heavenly places. 
that's what it says in Ephesians 2, 4 to 7. And you see your cards and you're like, that's it, I'm going to win. And like sometimes the devil, not sometimes, the devil is across the table and trying to like taunt you and he's like, yeah, sure, you don't know what I have on my hand. I'm going to beat you. But you know you got the highest. You know you're going to win for sure. And that's where you put all in. And my point is that that gives you the assurance, the fact of the matter that Jesus rose from that grave. That is what we put our hope in. You know, it isn't about what shoes you're wearing. It isn't about what clothes you're wearing. But the fact that Christ has now seated you with himself and he rose from that grave, it gives you hope. It gives you confidence to come before him. And I even, like, I just feel this in my spirit that like, now that we know that we have this hope, will you put all in and like just go, I'm going to win. And like all in for all of us means different things. You know, like to a doctor, all in means like being a light in a hospital. To a student, all in means doing your homework, respecting your teacher, like living a life that is worthy of the calling of Christ. You know, all in means different things to different people. But I just feel even right now, God is asking, what is your all in? And right now, I just even want to ask you to have this conversation with God. Have this conversation with the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, what is all in? What does that look to you? What What is it that I'm not even fully surrendering? You know, and maybe He tells you something. And I want to encourage you, like, let's go all in. Whatever it is. Because we know that the Lord is our Good Shepherd. His leadership is wise and He's so gentle and He's so kind and He is for us. He's not against us. Like so many songs we sing, our God is for us, our God is for us. But do we know who really, who really has got our back? It's the God Almighty that created the heavens and the earth. And even before the foundations of the world was laid, He desired you. He desired you. And so, like even as we worship, like have this dialogue with the Holy Spirit, what is all in? And I just want to encourage you, let's go all in. Let's not wait at the riverbank for the next best thing to happen. You know, if it comes, it comes great. But we have this steady assurance in Christ that gives us all, all the reason to rejoice, all the reason to worship. So let's jump in. So as Ryan leads us in worship, let's just even like start having conversation with the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, show us. Show us. Show us, Lord. Show us the things that we are even holding back God, with this fear, with this fear that you wouldn't carry us through, you wouldn't come through for us, Lord, show us that we may be able to lay it down because, God, there is joy in laying it down.
there is joy in letting it go.
help us to see, help us to see, that's right, God.
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, I just want to thank you that this love gives us confidence to come before you, that we don't have to hide our faces, Lord. Jesus, I thank you that we can come before you boldly. And Lord, I thank you that we are your children. Father, I pray that you bless each and every one of us, even as we depart from here, God. I pray you bless our conversations. I pray you bless our time with the friends that we spend. God, I just want to pray that your love will really just penetrate to our, through our hearts, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay, service is over. See you next week.